Homestyle Green, episode 171, Super Renault. G'day, welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Damien McGill is now a very active member of the Super Home Movement along with Bob Burnett. And Bob Burnett's been on the show a couple of times in the past over the years talking about the growth of Super Home Movement. But Damien is an engineer by training and so he knows a lot about how to put things together so that they don't fall apart. But he's more interested these days in the health and well-being of people inside homes and particularly how to renovate the large number of substandard houses that already exist in New Zealand and to bring them up to a standard that is healthy and also energy efficient because it's a good use of a lot of the resources that have gone into the making those houses but we just need to figure out ways to make them perform as they should and that's what his super reno is a good example of uh, which is what we discussed during this episode. But I started out by asking Damien how he got into this space in the first place. I like every Kiwi I grew up in, um, something that was very cold and damp. Uh, we had a, I was born here in, in, in Canterbury and in Rangiora, but quite a young age we went up to the Wairapa. And uh, eventually we relocated an 1860s two-storey home and put it on a, a section just outside of Masterton. Um, it was orientated pretty much the same way as it was originally built. Um, I asked my father about that a few years ago. He said that uh, it got orientated that way because the, the relocation truck got stuck on the site and right. that's the way it had to stay. <laughs> but but um, I don't, I'm not sure that's true. I think it's, it faced exactly the same way as it did before. What, and what that meant was one of the, one of the lounges uh, never got any sun at all. Wow. Um, it was freezing. And, you know, we huddled around the lady kitchen, a log burner in the lounge, in the other lounge, you know. And that was it. That was a heating in a quite a reasonable-sized two-story house at the time. Um, so timber, like full timber house. Yes. Yeah. Any insulation at all? Uh, it was. It would have been insulated um, at the time. Um, wasn't insulated, obviously, when it was built, but it was insulated as it uh, when it was relocated. In the walls um, as well, or just the roof and the underfloor? In the walls, because it was sarked, so the sarking was taken out. Right. Um, bats was put in. But still pretty drafty and cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, terrible. Just terrible. Um, yeah. And so, you know. Single glazed, I guess. Single glazed, yep. Uh, sash windows, all that. And, yeah, so that was um, – and then in the early uh, – mid-90s, I bought two houses next door to each other for a pricely sum of uh, $72,000. Uh, they were transitional villas that had never been touched. They were sort of 20s, never been modified at all. And I set about uh, upgrading one of them, um, well, upgrading both of them, but particularly the one I lived in, stripped all the sarking off the walls, um, used the proclimber detail with the, using the um, building paper on the inside of the, 
of the it was pla- weatherboard with plaster over top, and then put uh, bat- pink bats in and and elephant board actually fifteen mil elephant board because that was the same thickness as the sarking I took off, and then I could use the use the same architraves and skirtings the same size. So before I knew anything about what I was doing, you know, in terms of healthy homes, that was sort of <laughs> I'd sort of already picked up. Uh, what was supposed to happen? We still had the old sash windows. It was this house was so cold that in the middle of winter, like this time of year, you'd be in bed with balaclavas and, and yeah. stuff like that on. Um, yeah. There was a couple of mice, and they'd skirt across the, the room during the night um, across the floor there. And we'd often joke that even the mice were having to do laps of the room to keep warm. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, drafty sash windows. So. So I just thought, you know, like every other Kiwi, that was how we we lived. That's how that was that was what was expected. Um, and then in two thousand and one, had the opportunity to go to the UK on a working holiday, make a visa, and uh, <laughs> saw the light. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Went to a colder place and got warm. <laughs> um, central heating, uh, radiators, uh, breeze block. Uh, insulation, double glaze, PVC windows, uh, just yeah, no ventilation systems, but everything else. Every room, same temperature. Yeah. All day, yeah. every day, however you want it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's 20 years ago now. Yeah. That's yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, almost, yeah. Just, just yeah, a bit over 20 years ago. Mm. So. And I ended up working for a housing developer that had a few different roles over. I went there for two years. Actually, went there for 18 months, but ended up staying uh, 10 years. Uh, got the passport and then. Because you're, you're an engineer by training. Uh, yes. But more like a structural engineer, is that right? Uh, my training was, I did NZCE um, and started off in a, structural space and then got involved in the civil side of things heavily and went overseas and it was more in that civil space um, in roading and, and land development. Right. Um, and came back, when I came back here in, in 2011, I came back to to Christchurch to try and get involved with the earthquake stuff and, and, and go back to doing what I really started to the whole reason becoming a, of me becoming an engineer to start with was so I could design and build my own home. Right. Um, so I wanted to get back into into housing. Housing's always been my passion since I was very young. So, yeah. So you came back uh, to post-earthquake Christchurch? Came back on, uh, landed in the country on the day of, the opening game of the 2011 Rugby World Cup and went to that game and then travelled around the country for a few months and I went and saw most of the games that were going. Um, ticket prices are cheap when you're earning pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and you haven't been home for a while. So, yeah, and, and then, yeah, towards that sort of Christmas time, started to run out of uh, money pretty fast because New Zealand's an expensive place. Um, and, yeah, started looking for... For somewhere to work, and decided that um, wanted to get involved with with what was happening. Already had a house here in Christchurch, uh, 
which had come through the earthquakes relatively unscathed. Um, so it kind of made sense to be based here and and get involved with the earthquake repair work. Well, that's what I thought I'd be able to do. Yeah. 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 So amazing. around that time, 2011, sort of maybe one, maybe uh, one, one passive house being built um, up here in, in Auckland. I think uh, around about that time, there's not, not much going on. Early days, awareness of air tightness in general. Um, I'm not sure if Superhome had been born yet. Uh, no, not then. Um, I, as I said, I we wanted to design and build my own house, so I bought some land out um, at West Melton, just out of Christchurch, half an hour out of Christchurch, and that was when I ran into Martin Riley. Um, so that would have been 2014, 2015. Yeah, and he was just getting started, and he said, "You know, look, you know, come along to the opening." Sort of, we're setting up this group. Come along to the opening. Um, of the super home movement I didn't actually right. was keen I didn't actually do that we were so busy we were incredibly busy as you probably imagine looking at earthquake assessed damaged buildings and doing assessments and it was a pretty crazy time then um, yeah, yeah. And, and what what were you thinking that in your mind what was a good home at that stage that you were planning your own build what did that look, mean to you um, at that time that was insulated foundations um i'd been doing some work with uh max raft already at that stage uh i liked i'd seen some sip panels so um and pvc windows so right um i knew i knew martin all from nk windows then as well yeah so that was pretty much and and you know use as much timber as, as possible uh I doubt the windows. We didn't build the house in the end. It's another story. Right. But uh, I doubt we would have had recessed windows and I didn't know anything about ventilation systems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So jumping forward, uh, you've got more and more involved with a super home movement and uh, we've talked a little bit about that in the, in the past. Um, there's lots of uh, great resources available now. Um, but since then, you've you've also done some renovation projects, which I want to want to talk about because, in a way, that's the the big challenge I think that we have, and it's, it's much harder in some ways than uh, building a good house from from scratch. So, uh, what's been your most recent experience with a renovation? Well, I'm in the process of um, a three or four year renovation project um, the original house I had in Christchurch was one of three townhouses in St Albans and over since since I bought this one I've acquired the other two so I've got a block of three and the f- third one came up on the market just as we were sort of starting the renovation process and it kind of made sense to to buy it it just meant that Instead of renovating two properly and quickly, I only really had enough money to to sort of do a bit every year. Right. But it's been a a way of showing people that you don't have to hit everything at once. You can you can sort of uh, work through the process. Um, we looked at Enifit uh, at the start 
and and even then, so that's two and a half to three years ago now, I didn't really understand thermal modeling and I couldn't convince my partner at the time and you know to, to, to spend the money on doing getting thermal modeling. We did a homestar assessment and the house these houses are already sort of at the stand of, of Homestar six right at the time. So they're built these are built in two thousand and three. Um, the concrete block downstairs um, predominantly timber frame upstairs with um, 60 mils of EPS polystyrene on the outside direct fix as the cladding system, you know, rock coat uh, system. Um, so not a bad start. No, not a bad start. A good start, yeah. Yeah. A good start, yeah. And and so, and there's a lot of houses around like this. Um, so I thought it was a good exercise to do. We had some earthquake repairs. The cladding um, was cracked and damaged and it needed fixing anyway. Yeah. EQC just wanted to paint it, but eventually we <laughs> managed to... <laughs> paint over the cracks. Yeah, yeah, passed over the cracks. So um, so eventually we, ma- we managed to sort of get some money together um, to do that. And what we've done is replastered over where we have block work and but reclad or overclad where we've got timber framing. So we overclad with a steel profile just for low low maintenance. And that meant that we kept the the insulation that the direct fixed polystyrene provides. And we've gone got away from that leaky building sort of stigma that the sort So of you've left that has. all there and put yep. another layer over the top. Yep. Yep. And we used the um Proclima Adhero wrap um as over top of the plaster as a, a belt and braces layer. As right. I said, some of the plaster had was was cracking, so it made sense to to do that. And did you have to prepare how did you prepare that before applying the adhero? Uh water blasted it. Yeah. Gave it Is that right? Wash, Is that all you did? did it, and then yep. just stick it straight on. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh battened over the top of that? Yeah, um, structural battened over the top of that with some um, very long screws, obviously, to because the batten's effectively just um, um, cantilever over the cladding. So you're screwing right through the polystyrene and into the into studs. the block work? Into the, oh, into the block work and into the studs, yeah. yeah. So um, M12 bolts into the um, block work and... Uh, 10 mil diameter, 200 mil screws into the timber framing. And what about the windows? So we had, we had, these are kind of, must have been sort of executive homes at the time. They, they had double glazing in 2003. So they must have had the first of the, the aluminium double glazing um, yeah. that was around. And so we've taken those out. And so they're already, because of the construction, they're already uh, recessed or in line with the installation. So they're in the right place. They were just um, kind of probably by accident, really, because they were they would have been outside of the structure, but in line with the plaster. No, they they were. It was before the you know it was before the change in the building code. Right. So they were put in how the windows were put in before. 
right. the leaky building crisis become a crisis and, and to solve the leaky building crisis, we put the windows outside and yeah, created another yeah, problem, right. as you know. So we took the old windows out um, and put triple glazed PVC windows from NK windows in. I was yeah. obviously familiar with PVC from my UK experience and I don't have a, uh, any hang-ups about it whatsoever. Yes, and why did you go to all the way to triple glazed? I got a price for for Martin for double glazing, and it wasn't a whole lot more in right. real terms to go up the next level. And it's are they sense. so? Have you, are they any other? Are they e coating or yeah? So I've gas got filled? Uh, low e uh, coatings argon filled. When I did the south elevation, I didn't know a whole lot about glass, um, so we just went with um, what was on offer, low right. argon filled. Um, when we did the north elevation this year, or the rest of it this year, um, we did some thermal modelling, PHPP modelling, and uh, assessed the effect of, that, of choosing the different low-E coatings. And, and we're doing a bit of a trial with Metro Performance Glass um, on different coatings for different windows across the three units because we've got this opportunity where we've got three nearly identical units yeah um in one building where we can um play around with things like glazing and ventilation and things like that to see what works the best yeah awesome yeah so on the for your modeling there on the north side was overheating a problem overheating is a massive problem yeah we have a really big overheating problem um in the in the middle of summer here across the three units, there's no eaves on the north, on the north face. So, have, have you done anything to counter that? Uh, well, I've well, this is what we're, we're looking at the C1 effect the low E glass has on that. Um, and so you've you've orientated the the that coating more for summer, have you? Then we've got than- two. Two low E coatings, right? So, um, so you, so you're minimising both heat gain and heat loss. Yes, yeah, and but what we discovered through the modelling is you have to be a little bit careful there because you can, um, if you go to the the higher end low E coatings, you can restrict your um, heat solar gain in the, in the winter time, which is. Yeah, obviously not what yeah. you want to, to do. So yeah. the modelling showed us that um, going for uh, two layers of low E extreme uh, would be detrimental in the winter time. Does that mean that if you were if you were consulting on a on a, a new build or or a similar renovation project, would you look at different specification glazing for different aspects of the building? Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's that's the big lesson out of that. So. You know, on your southern elevations, go full out, um, and and yeah, and then eastern and maybe western. Yeah, the, the thermal modelling is the the key there. Yeah, the yeah. And, and also not modeling. to assume that you just have one suite for the whole house and that's it. And that would be that would would have been what you would do if you didn't do that modelling exercise. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that that would get more pronounced the further south you go as well. You get the lower angle sun uh, in those more extreme uh, ends of the year. It's going to have uh, an even more more of an impact. 
Yeah, well, I think so. And and I think where it has a probably have a bigger impact the further south you go, obviously, is in, in the middle of winter where you, you're wanting as much solar gain as you can yeah. get as well. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's a bit of a band-aid solution. You know, external shading is yeah. is what is really needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, uh, I've just finished a house in Bluff uh, where – the designer had shown quite a bit of external shading, but the thermal modelling, energy modelling, showed it wasn't necessary. Right um, down there, yeah. So it was a oh, wee that's saving. The, that's the the beauty of going to that. Are you using PHPP for for modelling? Yes, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the PHPP is a a big tool, a really big tool um, for renovation projects. In fact, I've got another project which is a 1960s Fletcher, early Fletcher's house, brick house, and we've done the modelling for that, and we've shown that we can get from a starting point of something like 400 kilowatt hours per metre squared. 400? <laughs> to heat it properly at 20 wow. degrees. Well, yeah, that's and that's one of the keys is that some of these numbers are a bit crazy, and the reality is that no one would ever spend... 400 kilowatt hours, well, no. not many people would, would ever do that. But no. that's the amount that you would have to use if you were maintaining 20 degrees throughout the year. Yes. Which yes. no one no one does in a, in a house of that age. So with that, with the modelling shows that with a, uh, a renovation, which is basically taking off the interior linings, um, insulating, using Intello, um, and making as airtight as possible, we can get that down to under seventy. Um, awesome! If we can get a blower door test in around about the, the one one and a half air changes now. Yeah, and yeah. what region was that in? That's Canterbury. Right. Yeah. When so you're consulting on when you're consulting on a project like that, is someone coming to you because they they've got that sort of end result in mind? At the start, are they already thinking about air tightness, or are you having to educate them about that? Um, the clients usually, the, the homeowner or the person doing the renovation, they generally have some idea of what they want to do. They might not know all the technical terms and te- you know technicalities. I guess they're a bit like I was in the nineties or on the when I came back here. You know, they they know what they want to achieve. They're often uh, not always Kiwis, um, so that you know they've lived out or they've lived elsewhere, and so they've had the experience of uh, of living in warm houses and they're wanting to create that. the 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 struggle is the designer or the builder who doesn't know yeah. what to do. There. Yeah. So I, I kind of help out in that field, sort of bridge the gap, educate everybody, um, pick up some tips along myself. So along when the builder rocks up and says, "Why? Why are we putting this membrane on the inside? What is this? You don't need it." Yeah, you're so, there to. <laughs> it, it's it's difficult. It depends. It, it really depends on the team. You know, that's you know my company, Healthy Home Corporation Limited. It's all really about the cooperation between the parties here. Yeah, and if everyone's working together and, and sharing, everyone's on the same journey, then it works quite well. If one party decides that they don't need to do this, it's a waste of time. They're not yeah. really engaged or involved. Then it makes things very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and Simon, seeing as we've got you here as well, um, talking about renovations, we've mentioned a few uh, items already. So the Intel on the inside, using it Hero on the outside. Um, obviously, when it comes to windows, there's going to be uh, tapes and, and ceiling up involved. How can ProClimber or how does ProClimber support people who are wanting to do renovation work? Oh, thank you, Matthew. Yes, we, we're actually very excited to see more and more people now considering taking on a renovation like what Damien's been talking about. Um, I actually had an architect come in here yesterday and we sat down to discuss he's got a, a small home, something around um, 80 or 90 square metres, which he's extending out to around the 200 mark. And he's going to be um, renovating the existing portion. And then the, the new portion is going to be obviously built using some of our methodologies around um, a good weather-resistive barrier on the outside and the Intello air tightness layer on the inside. So we're really excited to sit down with people like that that are planning a project like this and work out with them where they're going to be able to get the connections because the key thing is when you're doing a renovation, it's around connecting those layers. So especially with the Intello, we we need to consider how we're going to connect the airtightness layer between internal walls if you're not removing those walls as part of the reno. So we sit down and we have a good discussion with the with the customer. We work out some solutions. We're happy to come out on site as well and um, walk through the site with them and discuss various ways that they can um, deal with the different areas. Um, you know, you've got to consider the walls, the ceiling, the floor, And we've got a number of different solutions that we can offer depending on whether you're doing a renovation from the inside where you're replacing the linings or whether you're doing it from the outside. Obviously, there's a different strategy that you would adopt, but um, we're really keen to sit down and be involved right from day one. Damien, there's a good point about the uh, the trickiness of the connections. Do you have any challenges, particularly with those two-story ones, connecting – connecting up when you're adding in an air tightness uh, control layer? Um, I've been working, I've just sort of reiterating what Sai is saying, um, been working with um, Simon Gibbon a little bit down here. Um, he's come out and went gone through a couple of projects I've got and been quite helpful with the builders. And um, I Actually, when we started doing this house, Carolina and ProClimber had a wee session and I took the builders that were here along to that to that session to talk through air yeah. tightness and tapes and stuff. So that's been quite good. Um, he's been quite helpful. Um, this house, we this two story house, we haven't we've been using the jib as the air tightness layer. There's sort of as far as we can get. Um, yeah. The you know, I think we, we the blower door tests. So we started off with air tightness. Um, between the units, between sort of seven and nine air changes an hour. Right. And we're down, this unit was down under four the other day. Right. So that I think is, is, is a pretty good achievement. Yeah. I had hoped to get down under three. Um, the issues are around the stairs going upstairs. Um, there's a lot of air leaking in the stairs where uh, the steel fr- stair framing 
Um, so I'd have to take the carpet up and then and then tape those right. those areas. Yeah. Um, kitchen under the kitchen sink, there's a big big leak from somewhere. Right. Yeah, um, must I haven't been able to find out where the leak is. So yeah. there's there's some there's some stuff to be done, um, but it's sort of be done in the future. Where you know when you replace the kitchen. Um, yeah, sure. When you replace the yeah. carpets, which are due and things like that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think the solution is to work through these things as you can, rather than you know, when, especially when you're trying to live in the house at the same time. Um, we've got uh, a 1913 villa that uh, hopefully we on this year's superhome tour. Um, it's very very popular. Um, People are really interested in the work that's happening there, and the Intello is just starting to go up now. So it'll be interesting to see um, how well the builder um, deals with all that interface. Yeah, um, that'll be that'll be quite amazing. Uh, getting getting that installed on something of that age and seeing what yeah. the end result is. That's been um, we've had the weatherboards off. Uh, it was lath and plaster, so the linings come off yeah. as, as well. Um, ply rigid air barrier. Um, How do you deal with the uh, floorboards in, in a house of that age? <laughs> um, we looked at various strategies, and then uh, in discussion with Sai, and we're looking at spray foam underneath, underneath, right, as the best solution or yeah. the, the yeah the most economic solution. And then do you try and make a connection from the wall down through the bottom plate somewhere and, and connect up with that layer? I don't, it's, I don't think it's going to be possible. Right. Um, but I think if we spray foam the, ins, the underside um, and make that tight and then take the, tape the intello down onto the floorboards. At the um, edge. Yeah. At the edge, that will yeah. be uh, pretty good. Yeah. Um, this, unfortunately, in this house, the client has decided that she wants to retain the, the existing windows. Um, she hates right. PVC. She hates PVC, and I've been right. trying, yeah, <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying, trying for an airtight window solution, but she wants to retain. You should just replace one of them with a with a uh, look like UBP PVC and see if they notice. I yeah, <laughs> I fear no. Um, it's been a bone of contention for since I, day I, one. I think. I mean, I think that that hints at, at the level of pragmatism you've got to have with some of these uh, projects, and particularly a, a house that's coming out hundred years old, uh, well past its uh, its use by date and, and probably original design life, but still potentially you know, really good foundations, really good structure. Um, but you're not going to get it to uh, 0.6 air changes per hour um, without pulling it completely apart and putting it back together again. Um, so there, there is a level of, of pragmatism that you've, you've got to have with some of these renovation projects. Yeah, I think that's correct. This this house was um, foundations are completely wrecked by the earthquakes. And that, right, right. So we've put in um, a whole forest of uh, driven timber piles underneath wow. to... There's nothing solid underneath the house. It's just wow. swamp. So yeah. to stiffen up the land and yeah. 300 mil concrete slab on top of that and then piles because also in a flood Jeez. zone. 
So it's got a very solid foundation. It's not going anywhere. No. Um, and um, the it'll be massively client, different, better it, than what it was. Oh, massively different. And and Margaret yeah. is very very keen to retain the villa, retain the character, and of of the building. And so yeah. that's her important thing is to save the way the building looks and, and yeah. keep as much of the original features as yeah. possible. So that's the constraint that we're we're working around. Yeah. But if you know, I've sort of taken the view now. If we can make the the walls and roof and interface um, as airtight as possible, you know, yeah, the windows can, you can always come back and do the windows. And presumably, uh, are you adding ventilation into a project yes. like that? Yeah, yeah. So there will be a um, mechanical ventilation system with heat recovery going to that. And you house. find a, a place to do that is, or, or do you have to make uh, cavities or bulkheads to do that um, no we, we'll be able to do that there'll be there's a we've created a bit of a loft uh, insulated loft right. Um, right so yeah it's quite a high roof there's quite there's quite a lot of roof space in those yeah, well, probably got a 2.7 started to start with <laughs> yeah and then a high pitch roof so you've got plenty of yeah. plenty of space so a ventilation system will go in there. Yeah, there will be um, the ductwork and stuff will be outside the thermal envelope, but it will be insulated. Um, right, right. Again, it's the same the, the, battle I've the, got the, here. The compromises you got to make. Yeah, it's the same battle I've got here in this two-story house trying to get a ventilation system. Um, we've looked at various systems. Yeah, um, we just can't find somewhere within the envelope to put the yeah. air handling unit. So yeah. it's yeah. going to have to go up in the roof. Uh, and and then we've got to weave it between the two stories to get it downstairs. Yeah. Uh, so that's been been my interest, been my sort of interest the last few six months to try and now all the windows are in trying to sort out the ventilation system because um, I've noticed that we've made this house incredibly stuffy. Right. Um, and yes. through the yeah. the tether monitoring that I've been doing, the carbon dioxide levels um, go through the roof quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so well, that's... you're doing you're doing challenging uh, work, Damien, but but good work. Uh, I think it is some of the hardest but most important stuff that that we can do is is upgrading the existing housing stock because we can't just bowl everything and, and build new from scratch. Um, yeah, and and that stuff's hard. Uh, you got to got to figure out. Um, Tricky, tricky solutions to problems. So, which is is what you're doing now. You mentioned your your own company. How do how do people uh, get in touch if they want to find out more about uh, what you do? Well, um, my website is healthyhome.kiwi. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I can get reasonably active from time to yeah. time. Uh, if if I if something uh, um, piques my interest. Uh, or call me 027 348 um, email me damien at kiwi. Uh, awesome. or follow uh, what we're doing in Super Home Movement or Passive House I you know I've got a lot of time for what Passive House are doing um, so my interest in the Super Home Movement really is to get everyone towards that Passive house standard. We're not going to get there all at once. And like you said, Matthew, that's where the renovations come in. Yeah. I say that eighty percent of 
of the buildings around in 2050 are already built now. So we're not going to build our way out of this crisis of new stuff. It's yeah. going to have to be renovating these old houses. And and uh, I've chosen to start now because um, if you think there's a problem with building materials uh, at the moment, imagine what it's going to be like in 2040 or 2045 or 20, something like that when the government starts off offering subsidies to get uh, get these houses up to a standard to meet the, I don't know, the building for climate change, 75 yeah. um, kilowatts per metre squared per annum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's going to be nuts then. So yeah. I think you're better off to get in and do it now. It's never cheaper than now to, to start doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you for your time. Any uh, any closing comments, thoughts from you, Simon? Oh, yes, Matthew, just that um, we're really keen to work with anyone that is considering taking on a project like this. And yeah. um, we've got uh, technically-minded people around the country that would be happy to meet one-on-one with homeowners, builders, or architects that are looking at taking on one of these renovation projects and we'd be really excited to get involved with that. Awesome. All right, hey, well, thank you both. Uh, keep up the good work and um, we'll, we'll share those links so people can get in touch if they are looking to uh, embark on, on a project uh, or just want some advice. So thank you for your time. And that was Damien McGill of Super Home Movement and also Healthy Home Cooperation. You can find him at healthyhome.kiwi. And, of course, we were joined by Simon Cater at Proclimber as well. Check them out, proclimber.co.nz, for all of your needs for vapor control, air tightness control, tapes, anything required to help seal a building up to make it perform well. Both Damien and Simon are pretty active on LinkedIn as well, so you can uh, find them both there. But do check out um, Damien's website. He's got a bunch of pictures of his project, but also some of the other projects that he's been involved in and is uh, is consulting on to help people on their journey to making uh, better homes for themselves and, and for the planet. Well, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed that. You can always reach out. Uh, love to hear from you, Matthew at homestylegreen.com. And uh, if you'd like to support the show just to help keep it ticking along, then uh, jump over to homestylegreen.com and click on the Patreon page uh, on the button there and you can make a contribution um, any size you like. All greatly appreciated. Just helps uh, pay some of the hosting and uh, keep everything live. All right, that's it for me for this week. Now go make a better place to live. (laughs) 